Hello everybody, welcome to this edition of Coffee Time with Byron. No longer Byron and Brett. Brett decided not to do it, so it's back to me. But on this special edition, episode number 33, we have former UFC fighter Patrick Cote. Welcome to the show. Proud to have you. Thanks for having me, man. So I want to get started with the with your uh, debut in the octagon. You went up against none other than the man, the legend, Tito Ortiz, on short notice against Dave Mesker. Tell us about that fight. Were you nervous making your UFC debut? And did you expect the fight to turn out the way it did? No, I didn't have time to get nervous because I got that fight like four days notice. So I didn't have time to, to think about it, uh, to think that I will I will, <laughs> I will be fighting, uh, you know, the legend and Tito Ortiz. Uh, so that was, a, that was a good thing for me that uh, I knew it only four days uh, before the fight because, you know, I didn't have time to get nervous, like I said. And, uh, you know, I was young, I was naive, so we said yes to that fight. Uh, I didn't, I didn't expect to to win the fight, to be to be honest. But I wanted to give a good performance. I think that that's exactly what I did. And at the end, I was still on my feet. Everybody thought that I will be uh, will be out in the first thirty seconds. But I think uh, you know I surprised a lot of people in there, and uh, you know I had a, had a great career. After that, because uh, because we said yes to that fight. Now you were on the uh, Ultimate Fighter Four. That's how you actually, to be honest, made your debut. Is that show? Take us through that experience and what was it like being in that house with those other fighters? Was it as controversial as the show showed it, or behind the scenes was it more controversial? fun experience you know i had 30 26 years old no attached so for me you know no kids no wife so that was it was easy for me and especially you know at, at 22 years old i served in bosnia when i was in the army so you know getting stuck in that in a million mansion house in vegas training twice a day with randy couture eating 40 bucks 40 40 bucks steak every night that wasn't that hard for me you know that was that was pretty pretty nice uh, yeah that was uh you know it's you put you put all all different character in uh in the house especially fighters together for sure you're gonna have some beef for sure you're gonna have some trouble uh that and that's exactly what they what they want you know it's a reality show so they they take you know good fighters but with good good character good, uh, crazy personalities so that's that's the, the part of the game too and uh yeah that was that was nice you no know, uh, we had like matt sarah pete cell uh pete spratt uh Charles McCarty, uh, Shorty Carter. That was that was a really really uh, really fun uh, season. So then you, after you made your debut on short notice against Tito Ortiz, you returned in 05 and you lost your next two fights against Joe Dirksen and Chris Lieben, and then you made a comeback in the Ultimate Fighter comeback. Take us through that experience, going through those two losses, and then coming back. And the Ultimate Fighter to prove yourself again. Yeah, actually, after my, my fight against Tito Ortiz, you know, I changed weight class because uh, I realized I wasn't I wasn't that big uh, in international. You know, here in Canada I was okay, but in international level I, w- I was too small. So I started my career at 185. After that, and uh, you know, I had a really really good fight against Joe Dorsey. I was winning the fight until mm-hmm. you know I made a mistake in third round. Uh, that was a, that was a really good fight. After that, you know, we've 
me and Chris Lieben, we had a war, a crazy war. You know, I lost my split decision. That was a really, really close fight. But I was still reaching for my first win in the UFC. I was like, in my, in my mind, I was like, that's a UFC curse. You know, it's hard for me to, to, to win inside the octagon. And uh, yeah, they asked me to go to the top four. And finally, I was able to show my skills. And I lost the final. But after that, when they, at UFC 67, I uh, finally got my first win against Scott Smith. And that was a relief, you know. And I was, you know, 100 pounds off my shoulder. And uh, you can, I can say that because after that, I got the, I got a run, I got a nice winning streak, and I uh, had a title fight. Yeah, take us back through that. You were, and what it means to go through a losing streak like that. Did you fear that you were going to be cut by the UFC after going 0-4 with your record? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's very, very clear. The UFC don't give, a, don't give, don't, don't give, um, they don't care if uh, if you lose. Uh, if you give a good show, if you good, you know, if you are entertaining, they gotta keep. They would keep you inside uh, inside the business. You know, if you lose like ten fights in a row, maybe not. But you know, I was always giving good fights. You know, against Chris Levin, that was probably one of the best fights in two thousand six. Against Joe Darkson, I was giving you know an amazing show until you know, I did a rookie mistake and he caught me. So. Yeah, for sure. You know, I was I was uh, I was all four in the first year, but uh, in the UFC at the beginning. But you know, in my mind, I was like, man, I saved your ass when you asked me to fight the orders on the fourth notice. So, uh, <laughs> and maybe that's why they 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 kept me too. You know, after four loss, and finally, you know, they they saw my full potential when I won my first win. Because after that, you know, I I was uh it was more confident things. Things and uh, I got the, I got a winning streak and a title fight after that. Yeah, take us through that win streak where you went where you went on that four and zero win streak and then you finally get that opportunity to go against Anderson Silva, who has yet to be taken into the third round. You managed that feat. You were the first to accomplish that, and you had control of the fight. I remember watching that fight. You had complete domination, but you ended up. Injuring yourself, and unfortunately, Herb Dean had to stop the fight. Take us through that. What was going through your head when you were the first one to take Anderson Silva to the third round? Nobody's done that before. Yeah, first of all, I don't think I was dominating the fight. I wasn't losing, but uh, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't losing, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't winning the fight, but I wasn't losing the fight. You know, I think that was a very competitive fight. Uh, I was still in there. You know, I think I, I showed that Anderson Silva was maybe beatable on that fight. Uh, you know, I was. I was really in the game. I was in my game plan. Everything was perfect until you know, in the third round. You know, sadly, it's uh, it's injury that the, the fight was was done. Um, yeah, that was that was really sad because it was the biggest moment of my career, biggest moment of my life, and not because he beat me fair and square, you know, not because he submit me or he knocked me out. I would prefer that he knocked me out than I lost the fight by with uh, with injury like that. And um, yeah, that was uh, you know I'm in peace with that now since a long time I'm in peace with that, but it was hard to to take uh, because you know everybody want to fight for a title. When uh, when the UFC fight one, you start MMA, but you know what? Instead of that, it's in my resume now. Nobody can take that take that away from me. That's right. And honestly, if that wouldn't have happened to you, in your opinion, if you wouldn't have got injured and the fight would have say probably went to distance, say if it did, do you think you could have won the fight and won the title? 
you know, I, I'm a heavy hitter, so you know, I can win the fight in four, in four, five, or you know, in the first round. You know, it doesn't matter if I caught you, I caught you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, our strategy was, was um, to go to, to push the pace more in the third round because that was a new, uh, new situation for him in the in the UFC. So I wanted to push a little bit the the, the pace in the third round and. I don't know. Uh, nobody knows, and we will never know what will, will happen. But uh, that was that was our, in our mind. You know, we wanted to we wanted to uh, to pass the first two rounds, and the third round just going more forward and uh, just uh, going going for the win. So uh, after that, when you got injured, it took you a year and a half to get back into the octagon. You said in an interview you wanted to face Michael Bisbing or Dan Henderson. What happened there, and why did you ever get the ever get the chance to fight them? Uh, actually, because I lost against Alan Belcher. That's that's the thing. Uh, when I, I came back uh, in UFC one thirteen here in Montreal, uh, you know, Ring Ross got me at the first at the, at the beginning of the fight. But after that, everything went well, and uh, you know, it was a kind of crazy situation. This that rules is in, in uh, the gray zone. You know, he he went for the pie driver and. Uh, Finally, looks like that was okay, but if you go on the rules book, it's not okay. So it's it, it, it's hard. It's it's like in the gray zone, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I wanted to fight Anderson because for me, he's, he's a legend. He's one of my favorite ever fighter ever. And this being now we're cool, now we're friends. But at the at the, at that time, we had some beef over uh, over web over on, on Twitter too. We have some beef, you know, and. Uh, when uh, in, in the show, I don't remember when, but uh, yeah, that was it was a little bit intense between us. But right now, it's okay. So uh, then, after you fought Belcher and that happened to you, uh, you tell me, tell me, take us through that fight again. You briefly got into it just now after you lost by rear naked choke. You uh, that the what what was going through when the ref told you you had branded on your face. And not your head. What was going through your head? Did you really think you landed on your head and you and you that cost you to fight, or what happened there? Actually, when I felt myself going, you know, upside down, uh, I tried just to to put my face up because I didn't want that to get spiked on, on top of my head. You know, I didn't, I didn't want that to get paralyzed. Mm-hmm. But that was a reflex. So that's why they told me that no, he. he he slammed you on your forehead, not on your head, you know, but because it's my fault, you know. I didn't want that to get smashed, smashing on, slamming my uh, on my head first. And like I said, that that's um, that's like in the gray zone. Uh, but they're right. That wasn't that wasn't a spike. That was uh, that was a slam on my forehead, but because of my my fault, because I wanted to protect myself. So then at USC 123 to end your first stint with the company, you faced Tom Lo- Tom Lawler, and for all three rounds, you lost by unanimous decision, 30-27. Mm-hmm. Did you know that was going to be the end of your first tenure with UFC? Um, yes and no. Uh, that was more a wish that no, but yes, because... Uh, uh, that was a really bad fight. Probably the worst fight of my career against against Tom Lawler. You know, he just dominated me, outwrestled me for 15 minutes. Uh, that wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's, it's it's like I said. You know, if you lose and you give a good performance, they, they will keep you. 
but I didn't I didn't give a good performance. That was that was a shitty performance. Trust me. And uh, you know I wasn't I wasn't surprised when I received my pink slip, but uh, you know for sure that was uh, that was hard to take. So then, what did you decide to do after your first tenure with the UFC? Did you decide to go into other organizations? Did you decide to fight locally? What did what else did you decide to do to get back into the UFC to prove yourself again? I had 30 years old, and uh, you know there was a there was a time in my life I was like, man, do I want to make all those sacrifices again to to get back into UFC? Um, you know, I fought for for the title two years ago, and now I have to fight a local organization in front of like a thousand people. <laughs> uh, so that was it's hard to take. You know, you have to to you have to to leave your pride somewhere else uh it's it's it was really hard to take it personally and uh, after three months uh, i decided to go back in the gym just to see if uh if i wanted to make that sacrifice again and as soon as i put the foot on the floor uh, on the mat i was like okay okay let, let's do it again so i fought three times here in montreal and my fourth fight that was uh that was in brazil against Gustav, gustavo machado and that guy was one went away to sign with the ufc and I went over there, I went in his backyard, and I knocked him out in the first round. So I took his place, and the UFC, the UFC called me back to replace uh, to replace a guy. I don't remember. I, I, don't, I think it was a Vendor Silva. I don't remember. Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin, exactly. Rich Franklin to fight Connolly. And uh, yeah, in 2012, and uh, the rest of the five years after, uh, I stayed in the UFC. I took my, my retirement five years after. Yeah, five years later. Yeah, take us through that fight with Kung Lee. It says you lost by unanimous decision. What do you think he actually did win, or do you think you actually had a had a shot to win the fight? No, he, he won the fight. That was a very very competitive fight. Uh, that was that was a fun fight. Uh, Kung Lee was a guy uh, who I, I did respect a lot, and that was a fun fight. I was back and forth. I think I won. I won the first round. He won the he, he, fought, he won the two uh, the other rounds. Uh, that was that was a big show. That was a UFC 148. That was uh, Sonnen against and Vander Silva. I think I just don't see why if I if I, I, I think yeah. so. That was huge. That was the first time that the win was in front of like ten thousand people. That was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, that was no. You won the fight, uh, in, uh, the, but that was very very uh, a fun fight and a good fight. Now now this one. I want to ask you too if you had a beef with this guy after this. You fought Alessio Sakara at 154. You won the fight via disqualification because he punched you in the back of your head multiple times. Now, did you have beef with him after that? Because I know you guys wanted to have another fight, but because he had a kidney illness, you guys couldn't fight again. Did you guys have beef beef after that fight? He did that to you? Nah. No, because I I knew uh, Sakara before, and uh, still today we 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 talk sometime on on the on the web, and uh, we're cool. Uh, you know that was you know inside the octagon the the, the the pace is going so fast. Sometimes you don't want to think, and he saw the opportunity. He, he, you know maybe that was five or six uh, more uh, punch, uh, too much more, too too more, but. Uh, you know, uh, it is what it is. I wanted to give him a rematch because, you know, I don't think he, 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 he's a dirty fighter. 
But uh, yeah, like you said, uh, that was my last fight at 185. After that, I, I dropped at 170. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You dropped down to the welterweight and you won your debut by unanimous decision. What do you remember about that fight when you dropped down? When you dropped down from uh, middleweight to welterweight? I think, you know, that was the right time to do it because, uh, you know, all the knowledge with nutrition, uh, cutting weight and uh, rehydration, all those guys at 185, they're monsters now. Uh, so I was, I was like, uh, in the entire my career uh, at 185, I was a, an average middleweight, you know, not a big, not a small one, but at the end, I was a small one. You know, those guys was huge. I remember Alessio Sakara uh, at the win, he was a little bit bigger than me. I knew it. But uh, inside the inside the octagon, <laughs> the day the night of the fight, I was like, man, he's huge. <laughs> he, he was big. So I decided to do. Uh, I decided to, to, to make that sacrifice, and I was that was myself. Now that was that was me doing that impression. Now you know, I was I was I was weighing at one sixty nine, one sixty seventy, and I was fighting around one eighty one ninety three, one ninety four uh, pounds. So, yep. So in twenty thirteen. You and Kyle Noak were coaches for Ultimate Fighter Nations. Take us through that, being a coach. How different was that from being when you first debuted as a fighter going into Ultimate Fighter and now you're a coach? What was that experience like? It's a lot more work uh, <laughs> to be a coach and to be just a contestant. Uh, you have to adjust yourself to every fighters, every personality. You know, the good thing is you, you're going back home home it's not your home but you're going back you know uh at at your home that the, the ufc was renting us uh, a big house a nice house to to uh just to live during during the, the shooting but uh no that was fun man that was fun and we swept that season too you know canada went like 8-0 and uh that was we won the one the two finals i won against against kind of that, that was a perfect season for canada yeah, take us through that fight. You won, yeah, like you said, you won. You had the fight on the finale of April 2014, and you won by unanimous decision. At any point in that fight, did did uh, were you close to knocking him out, or did it just like uh, just was a here and there, you know, knockout, drag out? No, 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 I was. That was probably the first fight that I showed that uh, my. My, rest, my wrestling skills and my ground game was way better than before. You know, I completely out-wrestled out him and out-wrestled him. And uh, I was really happy about that performance. You know, I, I took him down many times. I was able to control him on the ground too, pass guard. So I show a lot of skills that finally I was able to do it. And the fight was in Quebec City, where I'm from. So where I start, you know, my MMA career. So that was, uh, that was cool too. So in 2015, you faced Josh Berkman at Fight Night 74, and you won by TKO in the third round, ultimately winning both you and him Fight of the Night honors. Take us through that fight. Did that? Did you think that fight really deserved Fight of the Night honors for both of you? Oh, completely. Uh, we had fun. We knew it before. We were we were a good friend before that. That you know, his father won in his corner. Uh, you know, before the fight at the win, we we hug each other because you know I respect a lot that that man. I respect a lot Berkman, 
And uh, that was back and forth action until I knocked him out. And, uh, you know, I was the first one to knock Josh Berkman out in, in his career. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, I was really happy about that. Uh, about that knockout but the fight was that was the fight was really really fun and that was especially in my my my, my own country that was in that was in canada the, in saskatoon that was sold out that was jam packed the 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 crowd was was insane and uh yeah we're really happy actually you know i i knew that we won the 50 g's before him so when i went back to the to the hotel he was in the lobby drinking a, a beer and I was, I went, I went to him and I said, hey, man, uh, no hard feeling, man. That was a crazy fight. And he said, yeah, man, it just sucked out. I got knocked down. I said, listen, I don't know if you know, but if we won the fight of the night. He was like, shut up. I said, for sure. And we start drinking tequila after that. So <laughs> that was cool. There you go. So now, uh, like, like you said, you ultimately called your retirement. You against your last fight was UFC 210 against Thiago Alves. And it was a unanimous decision. Did you know then and there you had a four and seven record after that fight that you knew that it was time to call it quits in the octagon? I knew it that that was my last fight. You know, I decided that uh, maybe uh, two months before that fight. Uh, that was I didn't I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't want them to put all the the media all the attention of on oh it's gonna be his last fight. Now I don't I, don't, I didn't want it to be. You know, dramatic, uh, dramatic situation. Uh, I didn't want to share that to anybody. I wanted to to to, to live that. You know, selfishness. The, the, my last, my last walking, my last cutting weight, the, my last fight, the last time uh, Bruce Buffer is yelling my name. I didn't want to share that with anybody because I knew that was my last fight. You know, I was like, man, I own that to myself. I own that that to the last 15 years I've had sacrificed that sport. I own that to to myself that I don't want to share that those moments to with anybody. You know, I will be the the only one that know that it's the last time I'm doing that. The last time I'm doing that. So I will be able to enjoy it 100. percent so not many fighters can say they've dropped it down to three different divisions. You're one of them. I know a lot of fighters don't because it's problems with weight, catching up weight. And Take us through that. How, how much goes into going into these different weight classes and having to drop the weight and taking these fights? What goes into that and how, how much time and effort does it take to get to, get to weight to catch to catch these weight and going down, etc. But I mean, right now, you know, I mean, mixed martial artists right now they're they're professional athletes, so you have to work with professional. When I start to, when I wanted to draw at 170, you know, I start to work with uh, with uh, you know a dietitian, uh, a guy who was, who was taking care of my food, of my diet, or he was following me. You know, he was was taking my weight. He was uh, I will. I was doing some some blood tests to know exactly what I was missing. So it's it's a science, and you have to you need somebody you, you need someone like that around you when you, you do that. Um, and you know what? I, I felt amazing at 170. You know, I had a I had a nice run at 170, and um, you know, uh, but if I didn't drop at 170, you know, I wouldn't fight. You know, five years after that, you know, I, I gave myself another. Another maybe four years of fighting because I, I did drop at 170, you know, uh, because 
you know, I have the same skills of you. The, the, the size will make difference. Uh, you know, so I won 85 at the end. I was I wasn't too small to 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 be very competitive at that weight class. Now, how is uh, obviously you got to meet a lot of him because he's always ringside for the fights. Dana White, how is he as a man? Is he as crazy as he says he is on TV? What 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 is he like as a person? <laughs> he's a businessman, man. That's uh, that's the thing, you know. Don't think he's your friend. You know, he's always he's, he's always thinking business. But I'm, I have a really good relationship with him. Uh, you know, I have, I have his phone number. I can call him anytime if I, I, I want something or something like that because I'm still working for the UFC as a commentator. And, uh, you know, we're working on different shows. And if I want to interview with him, I can call him. And he'll, he will always answer me. Uh, I, I will, you know, I always had a good relationship with, with the UFC with Joseph Dana White Lorenzo Fertitta at that time uh, but you know they kicked me out you know they fired me in 2010 so they're they're businessmen first and after that they can be your friend but it's not it's not the the, the opposite you know you have, you have to think about that and you know you like him or you don't like him but you need a guy like that on top of that kind of organization because you know you need a you know the you need a guy that who don't care about what people say you know who don't care about he's gonna do exactly what he said he's gonna he's gonna he's a very stubborn and he, I think you have uh, you need a guy like that on top of that of that, that kind of uh, organization. Now you see guys like Ken Shamrock, Tito Ortiz, um, Rich Franklin, GSP. Those guys come back. And they're in their late, they're like in their late forties, early forties, somewhere around there. Did you ever have that urge to come back and fight like they did? At least one never. fight. <laughs> never, never, uh, man. When I took my retirement, I was like, all right, man. Uh, I did everything I had to do in that in that sport. You know, I I, I did tough. I coached tough. Had a title fight. I fought for the main event. I fought around the world. Uh, you know what? I, I was doing that to be number one and at the end I was like okay the, when I fought Cerrone it was like the fight the pivot fight you know it's like I was like okay if I win I'm going for the another round if I lost that means uh, I will never have the title fight at 170 and I lost that fight and after that I was like okay maybe one more just just for myself just one more is gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna know that it's the last one and that's exactly what I did uh, I start, you know, a family, you know, I was, you know, you know, I, I have the privilege to take my retirement on my own turn. And that's really, really rare in that sport. Were you ever approached by rival promotions? Even though you said you wouldn't fight, were you ever reached out by rival promotions like Bellator or Invicta or whatever these leagues were to go and fight, to go and fight again? Baronacle asked me a couple of times to if I wanted to come back, and I always say no. You know, I took my retirement to stop uh, to stop having punch in my head, so I will not going to fight with no, no gloves. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. And you know what? You know what? I I did what I had to do to to live well after my after the sport. You know, I was able the last two years of fighting. I wasn't that wasn't for money. Because I was able to put all that, all the peace, 
to to be to be okay after my fight after my fighting career. You know, I have some business. I work on TV. I'm an actor. Uh, you know, I, I had a lot a lot of things going on. I'm happy. I'm still healthy. You know, my body is 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 old because of the injury, but my head is still good. It's still healthy. So that's the most important thing. So at the end, I was like, okay, I'm gonna fight because I still love it. And when I I woke up one day. And I was like, man, I don't want to go gym today. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's that that's the red alert. That's okay. That's maybe time to 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 stop because you can't go fight at only at 50% or 75%. It's too dangerous. It's too violent in that sport. So you have to be, you know, 100% in that sport physically, mentally. If not, you're gonna get hurt very bad. What's the preparation like? You said you're an announcer. What's the like? Being preparation for calling a fight compared to actual fighting is it as much work. What is it? What's it like? <laughs> well, right now it's less work because you know I'm doing that since 13 years. So all fighters, I know them very, very well. Um, so yeah, it's 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 preparation. But you know, as like I said, I do that. I'm doing that since 13 years. So it's uh, it's pretty fun. It's uh, It's less uh, dangerous for sure. Um, I don't get hurt getting prepared for for commentating than uh, for a fight, and uh, it's good, man. It's good. It's good money. You, what's your most memorable? <laughs> what's your most memorable fight that you called that you remember? Uh, there's so many, man. That's so many. But I think yeah, we uh, we called the fight when George coming uh, went back uh, came back. Against Bisping at the Madison Square Garden, uh, that fight was just unreal. The noise when George fight against Jake Shield at the Air Canada Center, the first time the UFC got 50 people, 50 per, 50 people in a uh, 50,000 per person in the stadium. I was there live, commentating cage side. That was just that was just unreal. Now. Um... These, some of these fighters came out of these rival promotions and they've kept kept going and going and leaving and going back and forth. Um, what would you say to them in having to go through that after the one promotion didn't want them and then coming back? Uh, what would you say to them and would you say to them... Um, Crap, what am I leaning towards? Sorry, sorry, I lost my train of thought. But anywho, let me change the question. Sorry, let me change. I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so, so the women coming into the the uh, fighting world, what what? Uh, how were you? How were you happy? How, how how excited were you happy that the UFC finally what the women? compete in the UFC because I, I at the time they were only in WEC and then UFC bought them and then there's changeover and then they took out and then brought them over to the UFC how were you how, how how excited were you for them to make their way into the UFC um I, I think that's that was you know personally I wasn't happy for for the woman <laughs> to get in the UFC I was happy for the sport You know that showed that uh, you know the sport was more open. 
I was, uh, you know, the open mind about, you know, everybody can get in the UFC, everybody can be a superstar. Ronda Rousey is, uh, is the is the best example. Uh, I think there's uh, a lot of good women uh, fighting, not just in the UFC, but uh, you know, around the world. It's it's good to 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 see them finally on the on the big picture, on the big window of uh, of the UFC. They have a great exposure, and uh, I think that's for the sport. I think it's good. Now behind the now behind the scenes, I don't know if you can tell me anything about this since you're still employed by the UFC as a commentator. Uh, Brock Lesnar, is he coming back to the UFC or is he staying with the WWE world? What what's going on there? Because I heard reports that he wants to come back, but he had like drug tests or something failed or whatever. What's the word on him? Well, actually, Brock Lesnar always failed the drug test. You know, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but the UFC 200, uh, they made like uh, special rules for him to to, to fight. Uh, I, I was I'm not surprised if he failed a, a drug test. Uh, I have no information about about him, but it's just you know, it's at that stage, it's money, money talk. Uh, he want more money. The UFC don't want to give him. And it's always it's always like that. It's not about how many fights. It's not about who I'm gonna fight. In. It's about how we gonna how much you gonna give me and how much I want to give you. It's it's like that. Now, besides from Bisbing, is there a fight that you would have wanted to have in your career that you never had a chance to? Have? Uh, yeah, sure. Against uh, Robbie Lawler would be my, my my dream fight. You know, uh, it was very close. Uh, and part and period of the time it was very close that we're supposed to fight, but uh, something happened. I think he got hurt or something like that. But uh, yeah, Robbie Lauder is one of my favorite fighters of all time. I'm a big fan of Robbie Lauder, and I wanted to share the octagon with him because you know you put my style with his style inside the octagon for sure. It's, it's fireworks, you know. It's fire of the night for sure. So that's why I wanted to to always always wanted to fight this guy. Did you have any in your uh, career? Did you have any serious? beef with any other fighters actually me and frank mir we i don't think we'd like each other you know there's a couple things uh happen you know behind the curtain but uh yeah it's uh it, it's from my, my first fight in ufc when i fought tito ortiz he was the a guest commentator he was bashing me for like 15 minutes and uh, and after that, a different thing happened in the locker rooms and something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, me and Frank Mir, I don't think we uh, we're good. Now, have you have you uh, told Chuck Waddell this? I saw this. You told Tito Ortiz that he was the tough. Uh, that his punch was uh, uh, heavier than Chuck Waddell's. Is that true? No, actually, I said that. Uh, I said before the fight, I said, you think Chuck Liddell hits hard? You haven't seen anything yet. That's what I said. Uh, and, uh, yeah, actually, I, I met Chuck and uh, I met everybody. Everybody, I'm cool with everybody, uh, except Frank Mir. <laughs> <laughs> would you, would you, would, have, uh, would you, I know he was, uh, I believe, heavyweight. And he dropped, I think, didn't he drop down to light heavyweight at one point in time? Or was he always heavyweight? No. So would you have, heavyweight. would you have liked to gone up to heavyweight to fight him? And ki- nah. No? <laughs> not at all. As long as I'm not a fan of him, he was a really good fighter. You know, fighter. You know, he was probably one of the best 
of you know heavyweight jujitsu guy in the history, you know, with with the big with big nog. You know, I don't uh, I don't want to deny his 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 fighting skills. Just personally, we don't get along. So, uh, what ultimately got you into wanting to do mixed martial arts? Was it uh, watching UFC or? Was it something else that got you into wanting to do the sport? Actually, I started boxing first, and uh, you know, I got that very, very quick. And uh, I don't know, I saw that like in my era, in my time, you know, that was like that. You know, we're watching UFC one, two, three, and it was like, oh, man, that that's crazy, but we still want to try. And uh, I start, you know, doing jujitsu and wrestling. After that, I fell in love with that sport, and uh, you know, I start to. You know, I, amateur rank, I lost fight, my first amateur right, I lost fight very badly, but I still fell in love with the sport, and, uh, you know, I made the, I made a career after that. Uh, so, UFC has obviously been through a lot, the game has changed since the very first one, uh, what has, what has completely changed that you don't like about the sport compared to the old days, where it was all out, knuckle, you know, you could beat each other up. It was basically anything goes compared to now. Do you like what the UFC has done to protect the fighters compared to back? Oh, for sure. You know, at the beginning, there was a, there was a bloodbath. You know, that was that was crazy. But, you know, it was, it was the beginning of something big today. Uh, I think right now, you know, the organization, fighters, promoter are more... I'm more, um, you know, they think more about the securities of the fighters. They are more, they have more knowledge about, you know, head trauma and uh, injuries and, uh, and it's like that. But uh, you know what? It's uh, the thing right now today that I, I don't like. It's, it's like, it's um, the, the, the sport, like I said, the sport result. It's gonna go after what you're able to give as a show, because uh, if even if you have like a crazy winning streak, if you have ten winning streak by decision, you know a guy who's winning two fights by spectacular knockout is gonna have a tighter fight before you, because he's gonna sell more. So that's that's the thing that maybe I don't like, but I understand how the, the business works, and it's like that, you know. It, the, the, Winning, it's not enough today. You have to win, but you have to give a good show too. Now, a lot of people say the best fight ever in the UFC was Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin. Do you have a, an exact fight that you think is number one in UFC history? Man, I saw so many fights, you know. Uh, I described maybe 5,000 fights right now in the UFC. So I don't remember, you know, all, but, uh, you know, I remember Diego Sanchez against Gilbert Menendez was insane. That was crazy. Uh, Duo Choi against Cubs Swanson. That was in Toronto. That was just unreal. Uh, there's, there, there are a lot, man. There's, there's a lot of fight. Uh, you know, uh, Robbie Lawler against, uh, against Rory McDonald. That was that was insane. The, the, the second one, I think so. Um, 
there, there's so there's so many good fights. You know, I, I can see. You know, I understand that the best fight in history, people say that Bonner and Griffin, the first one, because that's the fight who saved the, the UFC. Mm-hmm. You know, that's after that fight, the, the, the UFC went. You know, that was when they like a rocket launch. That was that was crazy after that. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was the craziest knockout that you've ever seen or been a part of? Um, you know, we always see that uh, the same, the same uh, image. But you know, the fight against uh, the, the the fight of uh, Terry Tim uh, got knocked down by Edson Barboza was uh, was pretty insane. Uh, I think that that one was 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 crazy. But the last one, the, the last one against uh, you know, the last one of Kamar Usman against Paz uh, Vidal. Was probably one of the oh, sickest yeah. one that was. of uh, of I that agree. year and uh, in the history too. I agree. I saw highlights. I didn't get to see it personally, but I saw highlights. Wow, that was, <laughs> that was one crazy knockout by <laughs> far. I agree with you on that. Um, so you you're broadcasting with the UFC. Um, is there any fights currently that are upcoming that you know you're broadcasting that you are anxious anxious to see? Uh, there's a lot, man. Uh, there, there's a lot. I can't wait to see. Uh, I think it's gonna happen, but I can't wait to see Francis Ngannou against John Jones. You know, I, I, I don't believe Derek Lewis will fight Ngannou. I think that they're gonna find a way to to make a deal with John Jones. Uh, you know, uh, the, the the comeback of Nate Diaz. It's tomorrow. Uh, it's gonna be. Uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, Nick Diaz, his brother, is supposed to come in back too. So I'm really, I'm a big fan of Diaz brothers. And uh, yeah, there's there's big fights coming up. You know, Poirier against uh, against Nick Rigger three in July. You know, I'm looking forward to that. Now, what about the um, Paul brothers? Now, a lot of UFC fighters are go are going to fight them. What's your take on that? Do you agree with the with them fighting these YouTubers that think they can fight? You know what? They make money, man. So, good for them. You know, after that, you know, it's your personal choice if you go, uh, if you watch or not. You know, personally, I don't watch that. But, you know, I don't know. If they offer me uh, 20 millions to fight uh, Jake Paul, probably I'll do another fight. You know, it's, it's, it's like that, you know. Who can, who can spit on, on 20 millions? And, uh, you know, as long as I think it's a circus, man, those guys making a shitload of money, so why not? Because I think Cormier has said something that he wants to fight, and I think now Tyron Woodley is set to fight one as well. Do you, I mean, I, they, can say, they can say they want to beat, beat him up, but do you honestly see these fighters beating him up? Like they say they want to. I mean, if you're getting paid, if you're getting paid, I don't think so. Why would you want to beat him up if you're getting paid? You know, you want to be entertaining, right? Yeah, but that's a part of the the, the selling fight. No, that's that that's that's they understand the game now. You know, the game is you have to sell the fight before the fight. The, the people's got to buy the history, not the fight. So that's that's why you need to sell the fight before. 
well, then what about Conor McGregor? What do you think of him? I like Conor. Conor is the first one who really did understand the game. That's why he's almost billionaire today. That's why, you know, he's, you know, he's so popular now because he was able to, to back what, to back it up what he said. That's another thing too. You can do, you can be a good trash talker. If you're not able to win after that, you know, you look stupid. But Connor was able to, to back his word. That's, that's very powerful. A lot of people want to see him and Khabib fight again. Do you see that ever happening again? Or do you see Khabib, as he said before, not wanting to fight again? Uh, it's not gonna happen. And I don't want to see that because, uh, because McGregor is gonna lose again. Actually agree, but he wants it. I don't know why he wants. It. I guess to prove that he can beat him. I guess I don't know, but I think you're right on that. There would be no point, and I don't blame Khabib for not wanting to take that. <laughs> not wanting no, to. No, take- Khabib is out. Uh, Khabib is out. It's full of money, and uh, he's in peace right now. It's okay, man. Yeah, do you still see them as a hated rivalry between them two, or do you? Is there respect between them now after their two fights that they've had? Uh, well, I think I think the respect is there because they made a shitload of money together. But it's always, you know, like I said, it's always the history it creates history to have some kind of fight. Uh, you know, there's some some fights uh, happened before. I was like, man, why, why that, why he's gonna fight that guy? But it's because of the the story before. So you build something to make that fight happen. But. Uh, in that case, not gonna happen. Now you've seen some wrestlers like Batista, Lashley, of course Lesnar, and CM Punk try and mix it up into the UFC world. Why do you think they don't have the success that the actual U- that the actual MMA artist has? I mean, it's it's. It's training for life, you know. If you have, if you want a, a good, a great success, it's not only sacrifice your body, but you, you have to sacrifice your family. You have to, you have to be selfish. You have. There's a lot of thing. There's a lot of thing involved, not just punching each other in the face. It's, you have to live as like an athlete. You have to think like an athlete, and uh, you know there's a discipline coming with that. Now, Ronda Rousey. Do you see her coming back after her stint with the WWE? Do you see her coming back to the UFC to fight again? No, I don't think so. She's pregnant now, so she's, uh, I think it's over for her now. What about her hub, hubby, Tim Brown? I don't know. <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't care. No, it's just, you know, Ronda Rousey, she, she's coming back. Everybody will have, oh, no, it's going to be a great story. Travis Brown's coming back. Nobody care. That's true. Yeah, I don't think he was really. A, I don't think he was that big of a fighter. But I agree with you on that. <laughs> it was just not the, not to ask. Maybe they would inspire her to come back. I don't know. That's why I asked it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I uh, this will. Uh, I got no more further questions to ask. Uh, so I do appreciate your time. It was fun. Uh, you're more than welcome to come on anytime you want. All I got your email. If you don't mind coming back on down the road, I'd appreciate it. Sure. It was fun. I hope you had fun, with fun it as well. I'll definitely stay in touch. I thank you for your time. Thanks, my man. Was uh, was fun. Was fun.
Okay. Definitely, definitely. And have fun. Have fun broadcasting. I will. Don't <laughs> worry about that. Take care. You have a good night. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Patrick Cote, everybody. This concludes episode number 33 with Patrick Cote, UFC fighter. Great conversation. Uh, we might be back on next Tuesday. I don't know yet. We'll see. You will. I will let you know. But it was a great conversation. You all have a good night, and you take care. <laughs>